Welcome back to the Poor Sports Podcast. We're back again. Um, it's us, Terry Gross. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of topics today. What if you um, and I were combined the the <laughs> minds behind Terry Gross? Who's Terry Gross? I don't. Even you don't know. know. No, She's a great interviewer for NPR. Oh, okay. I was going to say the way that you said that. Sounded like NPR. Yeah, she's it was like NPR voice. She's like a trem- I mean, she's got to be a thousand years old lady <laughs> that is just interviews everybody, and she's like incredible yeah. interviewer and like challenging interviewer, but also uh, definitely not us. That's behind. No. The, we're not the. We're not the minds behind Terry Gross. We're gonna. We're everything we talk about today probably wouldn't fly <laughs> on NPR. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, I mean, we there was some big topics today, some meaty topics. Uh, this week, a lot of people said things in sports that they should never say. Some bad boys out there. A lot of nefarious things. Um, a we lot started of, drinking again on the podcast. Yeah, we did. Drink I don't know again. if that makes it better or worse. Vote, folks. It's give, been give it's been many weeks since we've done this. Yeah. Of course, we tackle our heaviest subjects on the day that we're drinking. That's, yes. That can't be good. Yes. But uh, I feel like we did them justice. Um, we talk a little bit about Trevor Bauer for some reason. <laughs> that was. I mean, that's another good example of a person that it was uh, all controversy kind of, it's all controversy in, in fact there's topics that we did not talk about no it was all controversy. have a lot of controversy yeah a lot of controversial sports topics um all national ones last week i know if you listened last week thank you first of all yeah um but last week was very heavily focused on the pacific northwest yes this week we're all back to national topics um, if you enjoyed last week if you enjoy this week if you enjoy the podcast in general make sure you go review and subscribe um again that's the lifeblood of black podcast so yes. we would appreciate it um and uh i am alex ssn everywhere you can find me yeah i'm the casey mclean also by the way uh may 26th we'll talk about this early in the podcast but i'll i'll make sure it's obvious now may 26th bickerson's brew house Renton, washington i'm headlining i'm bringing uh actually funny enough i'm bringing the comic we will mention in this podcast greg beachler's featuring and another buddy of mine is the one you make fun of the one i I shit on him for for like 10 10 straight minutes yes he uh he's opening so if you if you like this podcast and you want to see that guy do comedy he's very funny greg beachler uh come on out may 26th at bickerson's brew house not sure on the time yet it's either going to be 8 p.m or 9 p.m what you're from renton or you lived in renton for a long time i did is it an isn't is 9 p.m gonna work in renton uh, you'd rather be eight. Okay. <laughs> I will email the booker. Otherwise okay. people will get out of there at nine and be like, wow, everything's closed. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, uh, June 25th headlining the new Tacoma comedy club. I have other shows in between. I'll be there too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be, yes. Yeah. You'll be there. Maybe at both. Maybe I'll squeeze you into both of these places. I, you'll be, at I, have the a hook, I have a hookup for the other one. Yeah. So that's I true. feel like I feel good about the. The Renton one, but yeah, I'll definitely be at the uh, the one at the Tacoma Comedy Club too. Yeah, and keep an eye out. Bickerson's Brew House, potentially a host of future related events, we'll say. Uh, and then I have other shows that I'm headlining, one in Eatonville that we talk about briefly in a caboose, maybe. I got to figure out some details. <laughs> Might be in the caboose of a train. Um, DKCMcLean.com for stand-up dates. Take it away. Thank you for listening, and uh, enjoy the podcast. The one failed week that we had. Yeah, what a miserable time. I know. 
I do like doing the podcast. I do too. Yeah, it's I very like fun. Hanging out. It's good. Yeah. It's a good time. So I was telling you uh, off the podcast, but I did a show on Sunday at uh, Four Horsemen Brewing in yeah. Kent, in unincorporated King County. Technically, I think it's Kent, <laughs> Washington. Have you ever been to this brewery? I know the brewery, but I've never been. Gotcha. It's right by uh, what used to be called Pacific. No, it used to be, I think it used to be called Pacific Raceway, and now it might be called something else. Oh, out there at the racetrack? Yeah. Yeah, so it's very close to that, yeah. um, which actually my first ever, like, I was supposed to be an intern. I did. I wrote one press release for them, and then something happened. I, th- I was supposed to take a – internships are a fucking huge scam, Alex. Have we ever have we ever talked about this? Well, in general, yes, they are uh, a so lot the, of unpaid internships out there. The biggest scam of all is, in this case, I had to take a class, so I had to pay money. I had to pay for five credits at Green River Community College to be an intern at that uh, raceway. Right when it changes the name, like, well, what, what did the that name? That sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's <laughs> yeah. a, it's the whole country's a pyramid scheme. Some might say. Yeah. So. Yeah, that uh, that doesn't that's a ways out there too, man. To well, get out was, to, to get out to that racetrack, it's very close to Green River Community College. That's so true. I guess that's, it is. that's where I was going. So, uh, it was very close to there. I lived very close to there. It would have been very convenient. You fucked up by not hiring me as a full time employee. Uh, <laughs> uh, people of Pacific Raceway. What is Pacific Raceway? What is it called? It's got. Is that what it's? I think that's. Isn't that still what it's called? It's Raceway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they still got the same. Uh, is that the? It's, is a, it, it's is in it the their same? URL and everything. Did it used to be called something else? Maybe I'm foolish. No, Seattle International Raceway. That's it, what it was called at one time. Okay, and now it's Pacific. S I R. Sure. Yeah. It's one it's, of those. It's, it's one of those misleading names because it's yes, nowhere near Seattle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's. A, my dad was just telling me that he. There was. A, oh shit! I fucking. It's all me right now on the camera. Hold on. Hold on. These fucking. That's okay. Uh. Your wife is going to be mad at us. Uh, no, I don't think she will ever watches the YouTube. <laughs> That's good. Well, she does. What she's going to be mad about is that I'm dealing with it in in on the on the uh, audio. But yeah, so uh, it's this Four Horsemen Brewing. Yeah, it's like outdoors. It's funny because it's the only place I've ever been where you can have like a um, like get heckled by like a chicken. <laughs> Like, so do they have, are they raising chickens on site? Yeah, there's chickens on site. Okay. It's like somebody lives on the property, yeah. and then there's like this mostly outdoor space. They only do the comedy show like four or five months out of the year because oh, it's wow. an outdoor comedy show. That makes sense. I I uh, did you ever see any outdoor comedy during COVID, like during the pandemic? No, no, we were pretty locked down. Gotcha. Yeah. So there was a point, like at the beginning, where I was very locked down, and then. The outdoor shows, I was like, well, once they've once they've decided that you, it's like hard to transmit outdoors, I'm doing anything that's fucking allowed. Basically, sure. that's what I pledged to myself. Then once I got the vaccine, I went buck wild and acted like a Republican, <laughs> like m- minus that one part, right? Like that I. Um, anyway, so uh, I I miss outdoor shows. They're, they were fun. I did like backyard shows. Yeah, they're cool. I mean, if if the weather is good around here, if it's summertime, sure. Next week would be a really good example. We're supposed yeah. to get into the nineties, so that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, when it's when it's uh, good weather around here, there's no better place to be hanging out outside. Yes, uh, and yeah, I mean, the the outdoor shows are like always a unique experience. I'm doing a show. I actually don't know if it's for sure coming. I'm doing a show next month or fuck this month. Time's <laughs> going fast right now, Alex. I. Uh, <laughs> 
in the caboose of a train. I'm either oh, doing that one this month or it's like a decommissioned caboose. So it's like a train car where it's like two seats. It's that's like a, four seats wide. I feel like you can make a lot of caboose jokes. That's possible. That's I would possible. at least try to work one in there. I, it's also one of those things. It's only it, If it's the one I'm doing, it's only the second show I will have done. Uh, the, sorry, that they will have done there. And that means that nobody's had the chance to make every caboose joke. Like, I have a chance to make. So if you could somehow fuse your ass-eating joke with being <laughs> oh. in the caboose, Maybe. there's potential there. I gotta, I gotta, I don't know if the people of Eatonville are going to love an ass-eating joke. My experience <laughs> is that uh, some, of the, some of those folks uh, don't love that joke, but... What um, kind of jokes do people in Eatonville like? If, you, if you really had to, like... Na- like nail it down yeah so i did a show in graham which is probably the closest geographically i've gotten to performing in the the comedy mecca that is known as eatonville um <laughs> and uh, they i will say homeschool jokes crushed out there I, I used to do a homeschool joke and then uh it's either shane torres or sam talent did a joke that was very similar to mine i've never worked with either of them i'm not saying that they stole it better version of my joke like i'm much better <laughs> so i just stopped doing it but while i was out there they were like, it was crushing because there's so many homeschooled people out there. And then sometime later, I did a show in Purdy, Washington. Oh, yeah, where the women's prison is. Yes. And also where there's a bunch of like conservative Christians that homeschool their kids because public schools are brainwashing them into be, being communists, you know. <laughs> and uh, I did the homeschool joke and it bombed. And it not only it bombed in a way that I, I don't know if. Tell me if you have an experience with this, like writing or on Twitter. It bombed in a way where it ruined everything that came after it. Like a woman came up to me after the show. This joke's been doing great, like around the area. I probably wasn't traveling a lot at that point, but it was like doing great regionally. Yeah. And uh, she comes up to me and she's like, I thought you were really funny. You're incredibly talented. You should never do that homeschool joke again. That is very offensive. It was the first (laughs) time anyone had told me they were offended by a joke of mine. And she complimented you. It was yes. Like, it was the comp- it's really bad when it's the compliment sandwich. Yes. You know, as an adult. If, when you're a child, that works. But when you get the compliment sandwich as an adult, yes. you know you fucked up. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, things went poorly. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, officially, second bottle of Eagle Rare. We've gotten, we've gotten your hundreds of messages, folks, worrying that we had become a sober podcast. And I just want to assure you. Sober for a few weeks. Yeah, we, I mean, it was a long time. It was. I was on medication. We were also doing a lot of daytime recordings or afternoon recordings, which, you know, we're not against that, but yes, it's a little, it's bold. It's a yes. bold move. So um, a little bit of big podcast news, kind of. It should become bigger podcast news at some point. Hint, hint, folks. <laughs> uh, live stand-up comedy show, me headlining at Bickerson's. Brewing, brewery, brew house, brew house in Renton, Washington. Potentially the future site of a uh, an event, live event of some type. We don't need to disclose that yet, but potentially we're working out some particulars uh, with them. Or by we, I mean me. You've already managed to work your own show in there yeah. before us. So yes, well, to be fair, <laughs> they say have two locations: they one do. in uh, yeah. one in. Ballard, Washington. Yeah, that I believe seats roughly two hundred fifty people. Yeah, and um, I've seen the numbers for this podcast, <laughs> and I don't have confidence that on a Tuesday we could squeeze two hundred fifty people into that location. Yet, maybe one day. So keep an eye out for that, uh, folks, especially in the Puget Sound area. Um, make the trek. 
great beer, I assume. I've actually never been there. I'm I've had their beer. Uh it's a buddy of mine that runs it. Frank. Frank. That, that's so yes. Frank, I didn't realize that when I because Frank is who messaged me. Yeah. And they already do a comedy show at the Ballard location and it's a it's an unwritten rule in comedy. Don't I'm not fucking stepping on any toes without asking, okay? <laughs> so I asked them I figured out who the booker was, asked them and said is it okay if I do a show at this other one? I think when I was like, it holds 40 people, the booker was like, yeah, do whatever you want, man. Yeah, fine. Uh, it's I, literally like in a, the, the Renton location is like in a strip mall next to a Jersey Mike's. So. That's like, by the way, <laughs> almost every comedy club in the country is in a strip mall next to Jersey Mike's. Or, so you'll do great. Or, Pop, or not Papa John's, what's the other one? Jimmy John's. Yeah. It's, you got to have a quick sandwich option close to every comedy the club. Really, the really nice thing about Bickerson's Brewhouse, right across the street is a Dairy Queen, which... Dairy Queens are getting harder and harder to find if you're an ice cream person. Sure. <laughs> Great location. Is so Dairy Queen is Dairy Queen not a national thing? It's national, but uh they've just they've gone away over the sure. years, you know? They've died slowly. Um, it's very sad. Are you what's your Dairy Queen order? Because what I didn't know when I was growing up, because we had a Dairy Queen, I grew up in Fife. We had a Dairy Queen. But it wasn't there's like variations of Dairy Queens. And by the way, we had one in Milton where Fife and Milton are the same school district. We yeah. had one in Milton. Uh, these are like the generic shitty Dairy Queens I found out. There's like dairy, the the like freeze jiz one or something like that. There's just like, it's like, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> dairy freeze jizz. Yeah, dairy, that's, that's da always well, been my Dairy favorite. freeze is also a restaurant, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I only know Dairy Queen. I grew up But dairy what's Queen. the one that's got, there's, cause now I think they all have it, but there was a time when the Mr. Misty deals yeah that was only at the ones the special ones the like the oh, interesting the, the yeah. og ones i don't even think they have those anymore do they the mr misty's they had them at they, the dairy queen i grew up with i've had them within the last two years because what it is oh, what i okay. discovered is i don't have that and slurpees i don't know what it is as an adult <laughs> but uh when i i get a headache i get like the brain freeze but oh, it's yeah. like i can't avoid it i don't know what i Growing up fucking sucks, dude. I went to the fucking park with my daughter the other day, and she's like, go on the swing, dada. And one of my wife's first dates, we went to the uh, like family fun center in Yakima. My wife went to school in Ellensburg. Sure. She was doing like some student teaching stuff out in Yakima. We go out to Yakima. We go to this family fun center. She destroys me in, uh, in putt-putt golf, which is embarrassing to admit on here. She's not a golfer, never golfed in her life, hates golf. Uh, she destroys me at the go-karts cause she has a significant weight advantage even back then, by the way. And I was a thin guy back then. And then I'm like, well, let's, I saw a school, a vacant school, easy to get into, perhaps commit some gang activity if you live in, uh, Yakima. And uh, I was like, let's go check out that place. That seems fun. And we go to the school, get on the swing set. I'm like 23 years old, not that old at the time Did you break the swing no okay. so i'm not i wasn't fat at the okay. time okay i got so much motion sickness immediately i got on this swing and i made like six swings back and forth with my daughter the other day Dude, I was like ready to throw up at this at this park. It's embarrassing to get old. So, did you not have motion sickness as a kid, or is this, never? Is, oh, never. Interesting. Yeah, my wife has uh, severe motion sickness. Gotcha. Has had it her whole life. Gotcha. To the point where she has to take prescription drugs just to go on a plane. Whoa. Yeah. Which like they make, Dramamine, like a better version of Dramamine. Yeah. They. I mean, Dramamine could work in high doses, but uh, they have even better drugs for gotcha. this sort of thing. It's a patch that you wear. How do you do flying? Are you a good flyer? I'm, I'm fine flying. Um, I, I get anxious for my wife because gotcha. 
Like we've so had, if, we've if, had situations. If you, had, if you cut her out of your life, <laughs> flying would be a breeze. No problem. If I, yeah, <laughs> no, I have no no issues flying. Um, I fly. You know, I, I go to Las Vegas a lot, and mm-hmm. Las Vegas is a tough place to fly in and out of because it's in the desert. You get the crosswinds, so mm-hmm. pretty much any time you're flying in or out of there, it's bumpy. Sure. Um, and if you can fly in and out of there, you can probably fly in and out of most places without much issue. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm used to a rougher flight, I guess. I think this might be the benefit of like understanding data and statistics a little bit is I just like, first off, turbulence isn't a thing. It's like a fake. It's just, you're scared over nothing. It's like, you're scared of going over speed bumps. Basically it's, yeah. it's nothing. It's literally nothing. It doesn't. Turbulence is not. I mean, you always planes out of the sky. You always see those viral videos of people that have extremely turbulent flights, right? Yes. Like where things are flying all over the place, and there's like somebody with a bloody forehead or something. Sure. But that'll happen from time to time. That doesn't typically. I've probably happen. been on those flights and slept through that. Like I'm. I'm <laughs> I a, mean, you fly a lot, so I would I imagine you're probably used to all conditions at this point. Well, you know what's funny is I just have never had. I've never had like as a comic. I've never had an eventful flight. Really, I've had like flights get delayed which sucks a lot but i've like but part of the thing is man is like once i fall asleep i'm very good at staying asleep and i had a streak of like 10 straight flights that i would fall asleep before takeoff and when you dude this is how fucked up it is is my most relaxing time to fall asleep the thing that really lulls me to sleep is when you take off and you actually are in a comfortable <laughs> sleeping position you're like laid back yeah and uh oh my god it's like a, it's like a fucking white noise machine and a vibrating bed put together it's fucking awesome you're like the only person i know that sleeps on flights well i mean people I don't, always try to but sure. it doesn't always happen i well i will say i don't necessarily sleep i mean it's my neck hurts when i get off my yeah. back is sore all that stuff but I, I just, I don't know what happened. I don't know when the switch flipped, but I have zero flying anxiety. I used to freak out all the time. Yeah. Nothing now. I'm literally like, to fall asleep before what a lot of people find to be the scariest part of a flight, to me is like, I'm like, I'm a fucking psychopath to be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's tough to, I struggle to sleep on planes, man. It's not do you get, So me. do you get scared at any point? Like, it, does the does the takeoff or the landing, do they freak you out in any way? Not really. I mean, only if it's real bumpy on either either sure. part. But uh, I mean, the thought goes through my mind at certain times when we're taking off. I'm like, well, you know, sometimes they just explode on takeoff. <laughs> yeah. So your mind goes to the darkest places yeah. at times. You yeah, know? for sure. But in general, no, I have I have no real issues flying. I've been on a lot of planes. Um, I'm not one of those people. You know, the people that like fly for work constantly. Yeah, they're like so apathetic towards flying that their plane could probably be going down and they wouldn't even notice until the bitter end. Dude, that's <laughs> I mean that's probably me. Like the the I got earbuds in. I got the other day I sat in a an exit row and it's the first time in a while I've had to like not have my earbuds in from like cover to cover. Yeah, like not from beginning to end of the flight. And I'm like annoyed waiting for this fucking lady to go like give me verbal verbal confirmation like yes yes let me be the first one please yes like (laughs) let me fucking i'm listen if this thing's going down we're not going out the exit door i'll tell you that like it's it's fucking (laughs) you are you are neither willing nor able (laughs) i'm I'm skeptical of the whole process is that an available answer on the multiple choice Uh, my my thing about flying man i mean not that i fly a ton a few times a year sure but the people that never fly are always fascinating to me or have never yeah. flown. Like, like 
kids, whatever, but full blown adults that are like new to flying. Yes. I mean, I get it, man. It's a first world. It's a first world thing. Did but... I talk about my buddy Greg Beachler on the last podcast? He's a diabetic guy. I don't know. I don't uh, think so. I'm gonna shit on him right now. <laughs> That's what I want, I want you to finish your. No, that, I was just. Okay. Gonna, I was just saying. It's fascinating to watch. So my buddy Greg Beachler is a diabetic, and this is not his fault. But anytime he flies, he does not fly often. He's flown like I think maybe when I flew with him, it was like uh, we. So we flew to Austin, Texas, first time sure. together. And then Cascade, Idaho, the second time. Not well, Boise, Idaho, and then drove up to Cascade. Um, he's diabetic, has like the insulin pump that's attached to him, like a fucking cyborg. So he can't go through the x rays because it'll fuck up his insulin pump. So every time you get through TSA, also, he has none of the expediting things like i have clear oh yeah, but i really have, need like, tsa pre doesn't have tsa yeah. pre-check because he hasn't flown since the fucking obama administration you know what i mean like yeah he's the guy that definitely needs it yes yeah. well of course he needs like pre-check and clear so every time it's a medical they call it like a medical uh pat down or something like that so he's gotta like and then the person isn't ever there so they have to call the person over they have to do this <laughs> thing i'm fucking sitting on the other side like with his stuff because you know, you know <clears throat> he was my opener in fucking Idaho, and the, the headliner is sitting there holding the opener's stuff, like waiting for him to get through. He's my friend, okay? <laughs> He's not just my opener, but it's uh, it's not what you imagine when you're fucking headlining a show. And then we get into the airport, and he buys – he's diabetic, so he buys a fucking orange juice to help regulate his blood sugar. Sure. And we get onto the um, – we're like about to board and it's a red eye flight. I very commonly will take either a red eye flight or the first flight out in the morning. Those are like the two red eye flight there. Uh, like the latest I can possibly leave there earliest I can get out of town. That's yeah. my, for comedy stuff, for other stuff, for vacation stuff, maybe not. But the anyways, so it's like midnight we're getting on this plane and I'm like, he's like, Oh, I fucking forgot my orange juice. And I'm like, where? And he goes, Oh, it's at my seat where I was sitting, like in the boarding area. I'm like, go fucking grab it. He's like, no, we're boarding. I'm like, dude, we're in like group fucking B. You're eight <laughs> feet away from it. Go grab your goddamn orange juice. It's gone too far, dude. He's like on the plane having a fucking diabetic emergency. With he got his orange juice and he took it and that fucking solved the problem. Yeah, yeah. but it's like without that, we might have, he might be like, is there a doctor in the house? And Greg Beachler, my friend. <laughs> Very funny comedian, by the way, but an awfully irresponsible <laughs> diabetic. We go to we go to Texas to fucking Austin. We get to the hotel the first night. We've like you know had a good day, ate, drank, all that stuff. And he's you know I'm listen. I'm counting on him to figure out how to deal with his insulin. This isn't my responsibility in any way. He's an adult. He fucking we get the he so he he fucking. He's like, oh, man, I got a problem. I can't. I don't have any sugar. We're fucking. I'm like emptying sugar packets from the co the free coffee. Like it, like he's like it's cocaine. And he's fucking <laughs> he's, dude. And then when we were in Cascade, Idaho, he drank. Uh, he normally drinks like straight liquor. Yeah. And he drank beer, five beers, which listen, man, maybe this is a it's a, uh, there's an exhibit uh, line, an exhibit lyric where he says I can drink a whole Hennessy fifth. Some call that a problem, but I call it a gift. I can drink five beers, roll on with the weekend. Like, I'm fine the <laughs> yeah, next day, yeah, right? I golf yeah. the next morning. I text him. I get done golfing nine holes, and I'm, like, coming back to the hotel, and I'm going to go golf nine more. 
And uh, he's like, dude, I haven't been out of the bed. I haven't been able to. I've been throwing up all morning. I was throwing up all night. Because he fucking fucked up his stupid insulin. He's got the automatic <laughs> thing. Just push the go button and go. And he We're not going to gain many diabetic fans from this episode. Listen, followed Greg Beachler's not having a... He doesn't have a podcast because he can't figure out how to keep his blood sugar in the right place to... And uh, anyways, yeah, we had uh, I had to go buy him. This, is, But the, the point of this is, is that I had to go buy him. Oh, man, actually, I'm going to shit on him some more. Cause I, so I go buy him like a care package. I spent like $40 to make his blood sugar right at this fucking, the one <laughs> store in Cascade, Idaho, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've, I got like orange juice that's from the fucking like Russian, from the USSR. Like it's this shit's <laughs> been around for a while. Uh, I'm getting him anti-nausea medication, the one that plugs your butthole up. I don't know. I'm trying anything I can. Because also like the other thing about this is, first off, he says it's food poisoning. And I made the mistake of the... The two, it's a two-show weekend, two nights, hotel, restaurant are attached physically and as businesses. So I'm coming down, and they're like, how's Greg? And I'm like, oh, he's not feeling good. He thinks he has food poisoning. Well, the only place we ate was at this fucking restaurant. And they're like, <laughs> no, I'd fucking eat that. Like, And I'm like, okay, I, I didn't mean to create like a fucking five-alarm fire. Way to go, man. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I go get him all this shit, and then I come back, and his girlfriend is uh, – I think hates him also, just like I do. The same way we both love him and hate him at Wait, the same time. Wait, is his girlfriend there this whole time? No, she's... Uh, I was going to say, man. <laughs> no, if, dude, no. So she's like, she's like, thank you so much. Sends me like a message on Instagram or something like that. Thank you so much for uh, for taking care of Greg. I really appreciate it. I made you... She makes uh, sourdough bread at home. Like everybody, every millennial in the... Is that in, good for him? That's uh, not good for him, no. <laughs> but she goes, I made she's you... She's slowly trying to kill him. <laughs> She goes, I made you a loaf of sourdough bread. Greg will bring it to you. Greg throws it in his fucking work truck. It rots in his work truck before it ever gets to me. Greg, you fucked up at every turn in this story. I have no sympathy for you as a diabetic. <laughs> this started with him being a bad flyer and turned into him being bad at everything. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, my God, the guy, I'm like, I had to, both flights, I had to like literally just book for both of us because it's, you know, he's my wife in this equation, apparently. My wife doesn't fly a lot, but yeah. my wife is not a professional stand-up comedian, okay? Yeah, yeah If we're course. going somewhere, of course I will be the one taking care of this. But this guy's lived all over the place. He lived in Colorado, Detroit, Spokane, Seattle, like... Apparently, the, he drove to every one of these destinations originally. I think he said he'd, he'd flown like three or less times in his life. Wow. He needs to get good enough at comedy so he can have like the Madden bus. You know, yeah. John Madden <laughs> used to just take his own bus all around the country. Yes, he needs yes, the Madden bus. Yes. Uh, is, it, is Tony Kornheiser afraid of flying also? Is that something that... I don't know. He might be. He's. I believe I was watching PTI with my dad today and he's not in studio still, which I respect. He's just, hey, if I'm Tony Kornheiser's age, I'm like, I'm working remote. Yeah. You guys can. I'm my age and I'm like, I'm working yeah. remote. No, what the of fuck? course. The, the whole world should be working remote. There's no reason we need to go back to offices. Yeah. It's crazy. I agree. I did. Uh, my dad and I had a fun conversation today because he was like, I was talking about Griffey and Peyton meeting up at that thing that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Where they both just look like middle-aged men, like appropriate oh, yeah, yeah. middle-aged <laughs> men. They look yeah. great for their age. Yes. They look fine for their age they look the right the way they should look for their age is exactly how if you look. didn't know they were pro athletes you would be like those guys are in really good shape Ish. for their age Ish. for their age yeah. but like you'd be like oh that i didn't think he was that old you know like sure he looks much younger yeah something about not cracking i've heard but uh <laughs> uh 
So I was talking about, you know, they look like, you know, the normal, they're like gray hair for their, they look perfectly good for their age. And my, I was like, we were talking about both of them and I was like, I got to figure out a way to meet Griffey at some point in my life. Like, that's a goal. It's like when, like people want to meet Tiger Woods, they want to meet fucking, um, Peyton Manning or somebody like that. My guy's Griffey. I'd love to meet him. And he's like, you know, uh, everything I've heard, like he's bringing news to me on this. He's like, everything my, I've heard is that he's like kind of a dickhead. And I was like, yeah, but can you imagine you, my dad? I was like, imagine if you became a multimillionaire and everyone wanted to talk to you. Do yeah. you think you wouldn't also be an asshole? He's like, I think I'd be worse. And I was like, yeah, that's why I, I relate to him more now. Yeah. Now that I'm an adult, yeah. I relate to him way more than I did when I was a kid. I would have to think, too, like after these guys retire and they don't have the same number of people coming after them every time they step out in public. Your chances of having a pleasant interaction would be much higher now. Yes. Yes. I do think I think it's like it's also tough with Griffey specifically because he's almost like a child actor where he was like in the spotlight literally as a kid and then as quote unquote the kid, his nickname when he became a mariner at yeah. nineteen or when he made it to the bigs at nineteen. Yeah, Peyton at least went to college and stuff right. like that. Like he he lived and he wasn't a superstar you know like he he kind of worked his way into becoming a he, really really good player but did he go to he went to oregon state is that right yeah, oregon can state. you imagine gary payton and corvallis oregon it doesn't seem right no yeah. i mean i'm way too young to remember his time in college but even when you see pictures of him in an oregon state uniform it looks all wrong yeah because oregon state sucks man like no offense to oregon state they're not like it's not like anyone hates oregon state they're right. like the most apathetic team even even nation. seeing like Chad Johnson went to Oregon State, yeah, and you're like he even went to a team with the same same colors colors, yeah. and you're like it feels weird that he went to Oregon State, you know? It just doesn't feel right now. Yeah, here's Gary Payton. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for the for the audience. This is Gary Payton uh, at Oregon State. There he is. Doesn't look right. Does not look right. Um. All right, folks, we did. Let's let's get into some of these topics. All right. Good transition. Good transition. We did <laughs> a it. nice hard segue. <laughs> uh, OK, so there's a couple of these that I think I want to I want to a lot went down this week. Yeah, we can. So Jackson what? Mahomes got arrested, which I don't even care to talk about. A lot of nefarious stuff. Now, I have a buddy that really hates Jackson. Mahomes, okay. so he doesn't listen to the podcast as far as I know, but uh Hates Jackson Mahomes. He's annoying. He's annoying. It's it's the kind of thing that you're like. Obviously, you feel bad for any victims. He, sure, of course. He what did he? It's technically like sexual assault or something. Yeah, this is he, it's the same thing where woman. he kissed the woman against her will, which is not good. He kissed a woman in a, like a restaurant. Yes, and she decided she was going to press charges. I guess right. Which obviously she has the right to do. She didn't want yeah. to be kissed by this weird looking dude, <laughs> and yeah. he did it. And um. You know, but if if you follow Jackson Mahomes and you know how annoying he is, you kind of like seeing this happen to him. You're like, yeah, this is the kind of guy that does, needs to get some of this. Yeah, he's kind of he's not like Andrew Tate, but he's got the same lack of likability as Andrew Tate. Where you're like, I hope that Andrew Tate didn't sexually traffic women because I don't want women to be sexually trafficked. But if I wa- if anybody was going to be arrested, he's the least sympathetic figure to be arrested. Nobody gives yes. a shit. Yeah, it's exactly the type of guy that. <laughs> yes, Jackson Mahomes probably he's not doing as as bad a stuff as Andrew Tate sure. is allegedly, but uh, it every time you see that guy pop up on whatever social media you use, you're like this fucking guy again. Yes, 
<laughs> yes. Um, okay. So a more a more maybe serious, interesting topic is Trevor Bauer made his debut in Japan. Has not pitched professionally, I think, in two years. He uh, so Trevor Bauer to give my synopsis of him as a, a person and a, a player, and we could talk about his transgressions also. But he's a guy that came up um, drafted by, I believe, Arizona, mm-hmm. pitched yeah. at UCLA. Drafted by Arizona and was kind of like not a malcontent in that he was like fucking up off the field, but he's got uh, he's got a very specific understanding of the way baseball works and wants to do things his way. Sometimes those things go against what the team wanted him to do. He had a lot of friction with the team. He ends up getting traded to Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, he becomes acquainted with a guy named Kyle Body, Kyle Bodie or Body. I think it's Bodie. Uh, Kyle Bodie. Sure, that sounds right. Owner of uh, Driveline Baseball, which is actually in Kent, oh, Washington. In Kent, yeah. yeah. A guy who, by the way, I'll tell this story now because I don't have any aspirations to write about fucking sports again. <laughs> uh, I played in Puget Sound Senior Baseball League with Kyle Bodie. And I, I didn't play, um, we didn't play on the same team, but we were at the same tryout. And I've never met a more egotistical asshole at that trial for a guy that's like shaped like me now i was like this piece of shit and then i read this I, <laughs> and this is the like the old old man baseball league i mean that's the it thing, is i mean know, i was 21 right you can play it's like i think they say 18 and up right it's it's, the at the time of, it was 21 and up it might be okay. 18 and up yeah now. either way it's like you could be as young as like college age or you could be like an 80 year old right. playing in this league it's but it's it's basically just it's I guess technically it would be considered semi-pro. It's, but it's crazy, but yes, it is considered semi-pro, yeah, which is it wild, because like you the, pay to play. Yeah, That's, it's the lowest level of semi-pro you could possibly get. To call it semi-pro sure. is an insult to anything, any sport <laughs> that's semi-pro. But so he's like talking about, because he went to, uh, I think, Rice. Uh, I, mean, I could probably pull this up, but I don't, I don't even did care play, to. He, did he play baseball there? Rice yeah. is a pretty good baseball school. Yeah, I, yeah. well, let's look him up. Let's, uh, let's see. Uh I'm just where gonna, did I'm just gonna go, no, go off on driveline? It's gonna today. it's gonna come I have, around. I have no ties to driveline, but I they are like a cult now. I mean, sure. really, they're kind oh, of oh Baldwin Wallace University. This is so whatever. That's that, not a real I don't place. know if that's yeah, it's not it's in <laughs> it's in Berea, Ohio, uh, okay. Berea, Ohio. Anyways, there, there's a redemption to this, which is so he's like a huge asshole. He's like, oh, when I played in college, and I'm like, who gives a fuck? We're all trying out for the same fucking league right now. Like, who fucking cares? <laughs> Anyways, I read the book, The MVP Machine, which is about a variety of things, one of them being the Houston Astros, but one of them being Bodie and Bauer in uh, Cincinnati. And it talks a lot about the life struggles that he has and the like uh, low self-esteem. That Bodie has or Bauer? Yeah, that Bodie has. And the the low self-esteem that he had and like he about you know battles with depression and shit like that and it made him i mean you know of course it's a book that is probably aiming to paint him in a somewhat positive light because of the things that he's doing gave me some pause i'm telling the story now so not enough pause yeah and but i i mean like i to a large degree like i've i've at the time i was like fuck this guy i don't like him but i have friends that are in <laughs> baseball stuff and they like go to fucking visit him there and i it's every part of me wants to be like Fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. He su- but then I read that and I was like, okay, well, this it everything that he was doing to me fits with someone who's like dealing with depression. Yeah, and a baseball field during a tryout is like the most heightened 
situation. Everyone's dick measuring. Yeah, it's just a big dick measuring contest. Even if you get along with people, there's still there's always an element of competition. So you probably met him in like the worst possible arena for you know for showcases. If if there was a Coors Light for or a Coors Field for being an asshole where the air was light and the ball (laughs) flew far, the asshole ball. <laughs> asshole ball would if I I don't want to put swear words in the title, but asshole ball is a very provocative title. <laughs> if the asshole ball flew further, this was Coors Field. Yeah. And uh but so anyway, Trevor Bauer goes to uh Cincinnati and then he signs a short term contract, a three year contract. He I, I believe it at one time I heard him say that he just wanted to sign one year deals over and over and over again. He didn't want to be committed to a team for a long time. I think maybe some of that might be a reaction to his experience in Arizona. Um, he signs a three-year deal with the Dodgers, and one year into that deal, gets accused of like sexually abusive behavior. And I think that all the charges were dropped. And this is like where I think we have a tough time as a comedy podcast dealing with a topic. All the charges were dropped, but he was suspended by Major League Baseball like kind of indefinitely, and then it became essentially what would become a two-year suspension at the end of it. At the end of his two-year suspension, his contract with the Dodgers was uh, – no, no I, I actually don't think it was up. I think – No, I think he's still suspended. Uh, or if he's not still suspended, he's – the Dodgers released him. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, you're sweating, and it's. I can't tell if it's because of the I'm diciness swe- of the no, topic. No, no, no. I'm sweating the, because we gotta like, get a fucking like cool, quieter air conditioner in here. Really we need quick. a. Te- we, the, you know, the, what we the, need the is a fucking thermometer that- on the wall. <laughs> Well, I know that in in the downstairs part of your house, it's 72 degrees. And when we leave here, it's about at least 10 degrees cooler. Sure, sure. So that is is the situation we're working with here, people. Um, We're bringing an amazing podcast to you, (laughs) sacrificing our Next week could be real dicey. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see what's... uh, We'll see how that goes. But no, I think, um, yeah, the, the Bauer situation was... It's it's all bad. I mean, one of the things you remember about him before all of this off the field stuff happens is when he's playing in Cleveland and he's about to get pulled from the game and he turns around and he throws the ball over the center field fence right. before Terry Francona can come out. God, and pull I forgot he even played in Cleveland. Yeah. So he comes out there, he chucks the ball over the fence and, and then, you know, later on um, online, he's an active person on Twitter for a yes. long time. Um, anytime someone critiques him, he basically sicks an entire army of people against them and really, really does a lot of things that would make somebody of his stature incredibly unlikable. Yes. And despite Um, all that, until this happened, I had an affection for him because I do think he is a guy who is deliberate and understands baseball in a way Mm. that's like innovative. I do think Maybe. I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I mean, he's one of those like free thinker baseball types, sure. which um, it sends him. By the way, it sends him down some wild roads politically. And I've never understood what the benefit of an athlete speaking out politically is. It seems like a mistake every time people do it. <laughs> yeah. the, for him, it's just one of those things where you cannot really tell what type of person he is leading up to these events. Like, you're right. There are people who think like you do where he's just kind of an innovative mind sure a little bit different than your typical dumb jock you know in quotes um and that makes him unique and likable to some and then there's other people that you know they see 
him throwing tantrums on the mound. They see him being an asshole online. They don't really like him. And then he gets to L.A. and he has this off the field incident, which I, I mean, I followed this story pretty closely when it was happening. I remember reading about it. And this kind of started off as like a consensual relationship with the woman he was seeing. Yeah. And as time went by, it became when they would get intimate together, it would go past what they were both okay with, what she was okay with. Sure. And I mean, it, and, I, and to, to give the like the obligatory allegedly, right? Like we don't, I mean, obviously neither of us were there. Um, we're having a lot of problems with the fucking, the stuff going on over here and it's completely my fault and I'm sorry to Alex's wife. That's okay. I, I keep looking away and I'm every time I'm like, Alex's wife is turning <laughs> off the podcast right now, even though she's not watching. Um, yeah, the the obligatory allegedly because I will say like it the one thing in his defense is he he was the charges were dropped. He's not facing any criminal charges for this, but he was given what is now I think the longest suspension in baseball history outside of an outright ban. If you go look at all the details of the story that came out when he was going through his cases, uh they're bad. I mean, they're they're really bad. I mean, sure. they they in a lot of I'm sure if a lot of people who maybe would be in less less financially well off, you know, might not be able to fight the charges the way that he did. Sure. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what it all what is true and what isn't, but if you read some of the stuff that happened on this case, uh, it sure painted him in a really bad light and it's one of those things where you know, he's now he's in Japan playing baseball, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams in Major League Baseball that want to deal with him. I mean, I think that the, were there teams that wanted to deal with him, they would have. I think that he had the opportunity to sign with a Major League team and could not. And I mean, so yeah, he's and, playing in Japan. And he had the reputation of being kind of a headache before right. all this. And now it's like now he's not just a headache to you, the team. He's a headache because of how your fans might react to him. Right. And that's you're never going to see a Trevor Bauer bobblehead night or T-shirt night because no one's going to want to wear that shirt anymore. You know. Let's like, see what he's pl- <laughs> what team is he playing for? Trevor Bauer. I wonder if they do have any promotional stuff. For I him. did. I did see he had a start this week uh, where he just got lit up in Japan. Sure. Which one <laughs> one thing about that is people are going to be like, oh, good, he deserves it. And it's like one. I mean, who gives a shit? It's a fucking. By the way. Yeah. Another part of this is if he did the things that he did the way they are alleged who cares if he ever plays well again or not again right like this nothing is nothing uh nothing would be as damaging or as horrific as what happened to this woman the the i just want to put the thing out there the allegedly out there because of course you know whatever people are into shit that i'm not into i'm pretty vanilla when it comes to stuff like that i know people who do stuff you mean in the bedroom yeah. A lot of missionaries in your Yeah. We're, well, we certainly aren't fucking <laughs> slapping each other in the face and right. choking each well, that, other. And that's that's kind of like, that's where this uh, initially started was, it was, you know, his defense was, we agreed to rough sex, and hers, her point was, we agreed to rough sex, we didn't agree to everything you ended up doing to me. Sure. That kind of went beyond that threshold, and that's where this became a really complicated yeah. issue. For everybody involved, even I just want to make it clear: this. I'm not defending 
Trevor Bauer's I actions. Think, I don't. I don't perceive that you're doing that. I I know, but the, we live in a sensitive world where people will fucking. I mean, listen. There's not enough people to listen to yeah. this podcast it, to cancel me, so I'm going to be fine. <laughs> but it, but it does require a lot of explanation. I mean, I would encourage anybody who uh, doesn't know about the sure. Trevor Bauer story to go look it up and formulate your own opinions on it. But I think most rational people would look at Trevor Bauer's entire body of work. You know, not baseball necessarily work, but just everything that he's done up to this point, the way he's carried himself as a person and probably think that this is a guy that doesn't deserve another chance. Or if he does deserve another chance, he really has to do a lot to earn that shot at redemption. You know, he has to do a lot to prove that he's a changed person. And what we know about Trevor Bauer from his time prior to this incident in LA is that he doesn't seem to be the type of person that would want to change for anybody else. So So he's probably not going to change. Another thing that I would say if I was his attorney, which I don't know why I keep putting myself in this position as his attorney, (laughs) but, uh, you're not defending him. Yeah. Except legally. I'm not defending. I I do, uh, you know, I do hold a pretty large financial stake in his uh, acquittal, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, if you were someone who was not guilty, yeah, you would not apologize. Theoretically, I mean, I think that maybe some people do. Um, and being an asshole on the baseball field or on Twitter or right. whatever does not is not a, a character. It's not character evidence that you would be someone who does the things he's accused of hor- that are the horrific things he's accused of. And again. Yeah, it's so to me the thing is once the charges got dropped and unfortunately it puts you in like the way other sports deal with this like is what he did worse than what Deshaun Watson did. I mean, I if it depends. It if everything hinges on were there two consenting parties, which again it's like who whatever who he says there were, she says there weren't. I've, I don't know if you've heard there's this thing these things called he says, she says oh, things. Is that uh, it? Yeah. Uh, if this was, let's say, Peyton Manning in college, uh, allegedly sexually assaulting someone, granted, many years ago, but maybe that doesn't get swept under the or maybe it gets swept under the rug because he's such a likable guy. Is that more yeah. or less acceptable? If it's Brett Favre post career when he's made a buffoon of himself, maybe it doesn't get swept under the rug. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think. Um for Trevor Bauer, he was New Eagle just, Rare, by the way. He was he was so unlikable prior to all this stuff going on. Yes, that he had built. He had really. He has no goodwill. He had no goodwill with people, and this was always going to end poorly for him, regardless of what um, was found in court. It was sure. always going to end poorly for him, and probably deservedly so. I think if you if you look at how he carried himself, it was probably deserved that he. He basically got ostracized after all this was done. And um, yeah, man, it's it's a it's a really bad situation. I mean, I don't think again, if you go look at everything that transpired here, like I'm sure in Trevor Bauer's mind, he did nothing wrong. Sure. But he's also kind of a weirdo, man. Like, we know this guy's a little like he's got a screw loose upstairs or (laughs) free thinker. Right. Like he could be concerned construed in a number of different ways but um well yeah I, I think he definitely sees the world and sees baseball in a different way than a lot of people but i think that might carry over off the field too yeah. just the way he approaches life i mean for him it's like as soon as he got the green light to behave the way he did in the bedroom 
maybe he thought that was okay with no right. no limit, right? Like, and I know like one of the things that occurred is that this woman ended up getting punched in the face twice. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, nobody. It doesn't matter how rough you're getting. No one wants to be punched in the face twice. You know, yeah. especially by a partner that they trust and care about. I can't imagine there'd be many people out there that would think that would be okay. So for him to think that way is like a little crazy. Yeah. We got an appearance from my daughter, by the way, rough time to have an appearance from my oh, daughter, but okay. I think I heard her yelling. This yeah, is a t- no, it's fine. We can do it on the. All right. So after a, uh, a brief, um, a brief intermission, I'm ready to be on the wrong side of history again. <laughs> so <laughs> here we go. So, uh, actually, I, I got to figure out what these guys' names are. But so there was a bar stool employee that goes by, oh, my God, he's got some stupid nickname, like Fitzy or something. They all got nicknames, man. Yeah, None of them go the, by their real name. Um, bar stool fired. What's his name? Uh, Mincy. Mincy. And, and this, the, was a, this was a bad week for uh, white guys saying things they definitely should not be yes. saying. And then so Glenn, I want to say it's Glenn Kuiper. Kuiper, yeah. Uh he so Mincy, whoever fucking Mincy is. By the way, can we talk about Barstool cuz one uh <laughs> I'll tell you this as yeah. a uh um as a friend, lover and a friend. Not recently, but I've applied for jobs at Barstool, non-writing jobs at Barstool, but as it's there's a lot of potential there's a lot of jobs there. Yeah. I, I think a, uh, a lot of my writing back when I used to write could have been, could have fallen into their camp. Sure. Although I will say I don't align myself with much of what they do. Sure. At the time, when they first started out, I would say that there was a place for them. I think in the last 10 to 15 years, just society has changed a lot and sure. they haven't necessarily changed with well, it. Well, it's possible that what they've captured is the fact that society hasn't actually changed all that much in some cases, right? Yeah. I mean, they definitely have a niche for a certain type of fan. And I mean, there are uh, there's stuff I see from them online that still resonates. I mean, sure. I, I wouldn't go out of my way to read what they do or go, you know, check out videos on their site yeah. or anything like that. But um, they definitely have a, a market that works for them. They make a lot of money. It's the only thing that I consume of theirs at all. And it's not, I don't have like a, uh, a moral opposition to them. I know some people find them sexist or racist or whatever. This is a tough day to say this. I generally don't find them either of those things. I do understand they're coming from like a certainly like a bro male point of view. That's, yeah. that's like, but, but so are you, by the way, like the, so am I, there's, <laughs> well, I mean like 10, 15 years ago, that was, that was what sold in sports sure. media. Of I mean, course. that is part of the reason I was able to have a successful website of my own was because of that. And that's also part of the reason why I basically nuked my site from the face of the earth when I was done with it. Because, is it gone? I mean, it, it's out there, but I basically pulled it all down because I was like, "There's, I've written so many articles over the time that I had my site that yeah. there's guaranteed to be some things in there that were okay in 2010 that would not be okay now alex railed against the jews in 2012 <laughs> he couldn't stop it okay, i never went that far <laughs> uh so anyway i guess i'll start by saying that like i don't i personally like i understand there are people who i respect and literally love who hate their who hate barstool i don't carry that vitriol personally um yeah, I think I, I'm kind of with you in that. I'm more or less apathetic to them. Sure. I certainly understand the people that uh, 
will never, ever, ever give them a set of eyes. You know, they'll never give them a click. I get that, man. Like, I can totally understand why you'd be that way. And now, of course, they have somebody who gets in trouble for uh, what did he do? He he quoted a rap lyric that included the N word. Yes. And then apparently. So I watched the clip and it's like it's uh, one thing I will say that gets somewhat conflated in these situations is you'll see a lot of articles that say so this is where i'm going to be on the wrong side of history because i'm going to i want to actually say i want to talk about this uh glenn kuiper guy too and don't play the audio i'm not playing the audio okay, of any I've of these. Heard, we're not okay i've heard the audio he, on this and, and, and by the way i think glenn kuiper i think meant to say so glenn kuiper visited the negro league museum which is a by the way one my understanding of the word that word Negro is that it was never a slur, but it's still because it's not the term of uh, preference. Now it feels weird to say I did a podcast many years ago with a comedian named uh, Greg Proops, who's this was, by the way, who used to be on whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Yes. And and so I, I did a live recording for his podcast. Uh, it's called like uh, the smartest man in the world or something like that. It's very funny because he described a basically like piece of shit audience member. And I was like, oh, that's fucking it's like baseball hat, T-shirt. And I was like, oh, that's me. Like you've nailed me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he came up to me after the show to thank me. And he's like, hey, do you smoke weed? He tried to give me weed. I was like, no. He's like, do you eat weed? He had like every variety <laughs> of weed to give me. And I was like, I don't consume. Suppository. Weed. Or- yeah. Yes. Uh, and then he was like, okay, well, do you have a podcast? I'll do your podcast. I was like, yeah, I have a sports podcast. He goes, do you like Negro League Baseball? And I'm like, I don't know a lot about it. And he's like, I know so much about it. And so maybe I can post that uh, somewhere like he did. It was fucking amazing how much that guy knew. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's a, that's he a... He's not like a big sports guy either. He just happens to know a lot about Negro League Baseball. Yeah. So anyways, Glenn Kuyper goes and visits this. Uh, him and Dallas Braden, who looks like the person who would be saying this. If you just saw these two guys, and you're like, which guy <laughs> slipped up and used a racial slur? But, uh, but Dallas Braden looks like a cartoon character. This this phase in his life, he used yes. to be a pitcher for the A's. He was a pretty good pitcher for a while. Yes, he worked for ESPN for a little bit. Now he's just on the A's broadcast. But I mean, there's no easy way to describe him. He wears the Newsies hat. He's yeah. got a beard that looks like it just got electric shocked. Yeah, he looks like his beard got electric shocked, but his family's not allowed to use electricity. He looks like the sidekick to like a bully in a movie. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, he look. He's like a. He's like if they made a sequel of Home Alone, like Home Alone Four. Now he would play. <laughs> he'd be one of the bad guys. Yeah, he'd be the the not Joe Pesci bad guy. What's Marv? He'd be Marv. <laughs> he's, he does kind of look like modern that. Marv. Yeah. Uh, he's anyway. So. In both these cases, so Mincy, again, though by what I consume from Barstool is they have a uh, a channel called Foreplay, which is, a, by the way, great name for a golf channel. And they do like these scrambles with professional golfers. And they're like yeah. interesting. They have interesting guys that talk about golf. Uh, I consume that on a rare occasion. Other than that, like there's comics that have worked for Barstool that I find funny, but like not. Yeah. Uh, Francis Ellis is the guy. I'm the, far, of. the farther you get away from the top of Barstool, the the more palatable sure. it all becomes. But so, at the top, it's kind of shitty. Yeah, and so so. Um, by the way, I think Dave Portnoy is kind of annoying, but he did uh, come out and defend. He's like, I can't do anything. We fucking sold to a major corporation. I don't think he should be fired. Not my choice anymore. I fucking did I sell out? Yes, I sold out. I sold out for a lot of fucking money. 
I appreciate him owning that, right? Like, because I think a lot of people are like, well, you're like a free speech guy. I should, you shouldn't be firing this guy. And he's like, I don't want to fire him, but we fucking have other obligations now as a fucking. I mean, I would say uh, a counterpoint, not to Portnoy, but just this guy in general. This guy quotes a a rap lyric that has the N word in it. Dude, if you're quoting rap lyrics that have that type of language in them, you just censor that part. So earlier in the song, my understanding is he used the word ninja. Okay. And fucked up on the second attempt. Uh, and and by the way, it was a live stream. If this was on a recorded podcast, if They'd this was you and me, out. we just They'd we would just out. fucking edit it, it out. out. It wouldn't exist. So, uh, Glenn Kuyper goes to the Negro League Museum. <laughs> He's describing it, and, and he then was I very inspired apparently in his <laughs> the way that he pronounced it felt like he was it was a stumble, not necessarily like. I don't think in his mind he was saying. And by the way, so he says it in the broadcast. Oh, he get, he comes dude. back and apologizes. When I listen to the audio of this, I mean, he's basically just on their pregame show, that the Oakland A's pregame show or whatever it is, somewhere in between the action, talking about what they did that day. And he says they went to the Negro League Museum, but it does not sound yes. the way you want it to sound. Yes. And, but, but I will say, like, Dallas Braden does not react crazy. There's like, they both, neither one of them react crazy. They keep talking about it. Maybe he knows, maybe he notices that he fucked up the pronunciation is just hoping that it's not fucked up. Maybe Dallas Braden is like, did I actually hear him say that? And trying to be a professional broadcaster. Braden actually came out today or yesterday. (laughs) And in so many words, basically just said, you know, a lot of times you're sitting there, you don't even listen to your partner. (laughs) That's effectively what he said, which is kind of like, if that's your only defense, you know that it's a bad situation. You're like, just leave me out of this, man. I didn't say the word. Got it. I didn't say it. He said it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping to do that with you one day. Like, you really fuck up. I don't even hear him, dude. I'm, I don't. I'll fucking, he's, I tune out sometimes. I go in and out. Yeah. So I so I thought this was, in both these situations, yeah. Dave Portnoy coming out and actually defending this guy who he had to fire. Like, that's the... The corporation said you got to fire him. Yes. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty. Maybe, I, I think that's that's... I understand, even if you're just reading off a sheet of paper. I mean, I remember this, like, this goes back to, like, high school, but we would read books aloud in class in high school. Oh, that were like, yeah. Like Huckleberry Finn, right? A lot of bad words. I know words. my favorite day. No, I'm just <laughs> a lot of words you can't say in there. And um, you, you read them out loud, though, right? You read it. You would, you would kind of do the thing where, like, one person would read a couple pages, and then the yeah. person behind them would read a couple pages. And you kind of go around the class. It's like, like Russian that. roulette. I don't know. For, that, yeah. that was like that was like the uh, the archaic movie day, right? Like yes. the teacher got drunk the night before, and they're like popcorn reading. What are we, <laughs> <laughs> we going to do today? We're going to popcorn read. Yeah. We're going to have these seventeen year olds just read aloud to each other while yeah. I sit there and so shake me, off this hangover. Let me ask you this though, because in your class, did you read the word out loud? I mean, not you necessarily, but did people? No, most people would say. Uh, they would either like substitute a word like ninja or they would just skip over the word altogether. Interesting. Um, most people, and this was 20 years ago. I mean, people were. My, so I had the same themselves. experience except for we actually read the word. And it's not like I went to some fucking. Five, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's go look up the district's demographics. It's like a pretty diverse school. You wouldn't think so, but it's, it's a pretty diverse school. And, but it, nobody was. So my. One thing I will challenge around all of the reporting on this is none of these people were using the word. They weren't using a slur. In a, in a malicious way, they, they were not using it. They said the word, they but said. they were not using that word as a slur. Yeah. 
in both cases, they obviously, neither of them, well, I mean, whatever. It's it, I, The thing that gets annoying about this is I go like, we do this podcast, I fuck up words all the time. I'll listen back and I'm like, I fucked up a word I didn't even yeah. know I fucked up. I've thankfully... I think I've said the correct name of the Negro League Museum every time so far. You've been pretty good. <laughs> Thank I you. I keep, I'm over At least from what I'm hearing here. But if anyone else hears anything different, I would say you were pretty fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I don't and even I listen no to him most of the time. I don't even and listen I'm to I'm out of here. I don't even uh, listen to him most of the time. So. Uh, no, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like anytime you have a job like you know, Glenn Kuyper does, or I guess even the barstool guy where you're doing something where you talk a lot. Sure. Um, yeah, you're going to screw things up here and there. It's tough when it's a word like that. Of course. I mean, because, there, because there are people that are going to say like, hey, you don't screw that word up, yeah. right? You just don't. Like, And if you think you might, then you slow down enough so that you don't. You make extra care around a word. Like I've like been that. doing the entire time we've been talking about this, basically. It's like I got to over-enunciate, <laughs> make sure. You have to be very – I mean, you have to be it careful. Like Because there are just certain things that um, people should not say, and that's yeah. that's one of those things, man. And, so one uh, thing I would hate to happen out of this is for there to be less knowledge. Let, like people are afraid to talk about the Negro Leagues because – they're such an important part of baseball. Yeah. It's there's so many interesting players, there's so many interesting stories. And for that to get lost because people are scared to say this word and fuck it up, which I mean, so right now Glenn Kuyper is suspended. I don't think he's been fired. Yeah. I mean, Oakland is obviously a very liberal part of the country. Sure. Well, uh, can I I want to read what so Bob Kendrick is the president of the Negro League Baseball Museum, a black man okay. who hosted Glenn Kuyper that day. Yeah. He said, I'm aware of the unfortunate slur made by Glenn Kuyper. I welcomed Glenn to the NLBM yesterday, the Negro League Baseball Museum, and I know genu he was I and I and know he was genuinely excited to be there. The word is painful and has no place in our society. And while I don't pretend to know Glenn's heart, I do know that my heart is one of forgiveness. I hope all of you find it in yourselves to do the same. So that's, by the way, this is like a much more eloquent version of what Portnoy did, where it's like, I think Bob Kendrick here is saying like, very obviously, we that's not a word that in used in a racist way we accept. I don't think he was fucking being racist when he did it. He obviously yeah. enjoyed the time, really loved hearing the stories, learning about Negro League baseball, and... I forgive him because I think he deserves forgiveness. Yeah, I think um, with every day that not passed, to, by the way, not to fucking put words in his mouth because that's he did say something that I feel like was very complete, but it feels like a similar thing to Portnoy, where he's saying like this is it was a fucking bad mistake. It's a it's a it's a mistake that for a lot of people can be unforgivable for sure. sure. And and you know when you go in the immediate aftermath of this mistake or whatever it might be that occurred. Uh, the internet was raging as it tends to, and sure. people were squarely divided on either side of the aisle. You know, there were a lot of people that said Glenn Kuyper should basically never walk another day on this earth. And then right. there were people that were like, Hey, it's very clear. This guy screwed something up. Like, you know, a, a couple years ago, Tom Brenneman, who was the broadcaster for the Reds, he got fired when he got caught on a hot mic between innings. Yes. Using a different word. Yes. That, a word uh, we are about to talk about. We are about to talk about that you 
certainly cannot say today either. And the way that Tom Brenneman happened to be using that word was malicious. Right. He didn't think he was being recorded at the time he said it. That was a lot different circumstance, right? Like he was going out of his way to use that word in a derogatory manner. Yes. Where Kuiper, um, it's questionable. We don't know. We just don't know. We'll, well never I, know. I right? think that the the idea that Glenn Kuiper spent hours, he's this hardened, ardent racist <laughs> who truly hates black people, but spent a day at the Negro League Museum, spent a career like becoming a steward for this game that's pretty diverse, maybe not as diverse. There's not as many black people as people would like to see playing baseball, but there's it's a pretty diverse game. He did all that to really get it out in one f- it's just so unrealistic to me. Yeah. It's it's it and it's also like a very believable mistake. It's, it is. I mean, it is and it isn't. I definitely hear where you're coming from. What, I mean, it's, it's it's a tough mistake to make. Like to make that mispronunciation is so egregious. It just is, sure. man. Like I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I I think if you, I've been lucky enough to very rarely in my life hear someone use the that word as a slur, like as a true slur, and. I think if you listen to him, but I have heard it, and I, I think if you listen to him, I, don't, I think it's very obvious to me he's not trying to use that word. He's trying to use another word. Now, there's an argument. I mean, I think like a, you know, a reason why I feel comfortable saying the Negro League Baseball Museum is because that other word is not in my vocabulary. Yeah. It's not something I'm going to slip up and say, but... I so maybe that's like the one argument, but also I, again, I I think there's zero chance that he was like today's the day, today like like there's no way he's getting away with it. Obviously, there's no way he thinks like oh, yeah. the- I don't, I don't think he's gonna get fired, but I think there is at this point it could go either way. Sure, and I and I think he's I would have to imagine even if he accidentally said this, didn't mean to say it, if he were to get fired. He would understand. He would have to understand. Yeah, I think so. Like it'd be one. Of I those... think it sucks, though. I think, by oh, the way, the, the Mincy I mean, dude, it... the Mincy dude, I think is way more justifiably fired. Even though I don't think that it's he's doing a thing that's like, in... why is he rapping? Like, what are we doing? It's fucking. We <laughs> stop, know what we're getting into. He's not yeah. trying to, yeah. in the same way, like talk about this institution of of history that actually is empowering black people, right? Like, I, th- I think that's right. the. The thing is, like, I believe that going in, Glenn Kuyper's intentions are good. Mincy's intentions are entertainment, which is not necessarily bad, but it's not necessarily good. Uh, and it's, yeah, again, I just find it, I find both to be, like, potentially easy decisions to make. I've said on this podcast, like, it's not like I've never sat in a car and been, like, wrapped that word. I've made a point of not doing it in the past decade plus or whatever the correct amount of time is my entire life i've never actually done it i'm lying uh don't fucking come after me unless you work for bar <laughs> school and you want me to get hired the few times I've now, I've, the few times i've mastered rap lyrics to songs i have managed to censor that word out yes i understand <laughs> that I, I i i guess like to me the thing is to me it's very obvious that in neither of these cases was there hate behind that mistake as far as we know well we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. No but, one will but that's, know. But we don't, we don't know. It doesn't seem like there is. Th- that mistake. Okay, let me rephrase it then. To me, 
in neither of these cases is that mistake evidence of hate. The thing about it is, and here's the really important part, it doesn't matter what we think. What you and I think. It matters what... Well, we are Americans. That's not really how... We are fucking <laughs> well, people of this world, though. It it doesn't, it's not, it's not, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's the, the people who are offended get the most say. I understand that. But that's, just, that's simply not how the world works. But when it's a word that has such cultural implications, ethnic implications, when sure. it is a word that's used against a certain group of people, the people in that group are the ones who matter most. Now, that statement you read from... Bob the, Kendrick. From Bob Kendrick. You can't remember his name because you are an ardent <laughs> racist, but I remember the his name. The statement you read from Bob Kendrick. I did some research is, on Bob Kendrick it, to make sure I wasn't fucking bringing up a It's probably helpful shit. to Kuiper. You know, like he's basically well, saying, I forgive this guy. But it's also he, the thing that I find the most, uh, the most endearing about it, the most important about it is he has no reason to defend Kuiper except for what he perceives to be his actual intentions. And... He he gets it's it would be very easy for him to go, well, this is the fucking oppression we faced all along. And this is just another example of it. And I think that he's it's 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 not an opportunistic thing for him to come out and defend the guy who just said the N word on TV unless he really believes that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it became such you gotta a story. Drink more whiskey. We got to get you slurring. It became slurring such a in story. multiple ways by the oh, end God. of this. It became such a story that he had to say something, but well, of course, because he was talking about the like visiting him. I mean, it was about yeah. his organization. I mean, he had to say something, but so okay. But then there was but, a, I think a much less forgivable. Um, <laughs> Here's a guy that was using a word. And this, for what's fucked up is it's possible this will lead to less of a punishment. Is Bob Huggins? Uh, he was so. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read the. Quote, uh, during an appearance on the Bill Cunningham show on News Rate. By the way, me reading for these, we got to get some video of these things, but I don't want to put you this. Can't do, yeah, I don't this want is, this on video. I was, I'm glad you had the same thought as me because before we recorded, I was like, look, whatever we do, do not play yes. the audio from these clips, man. We cannot have these this we, going on. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. So, so during an appearance on the Bill Cunningham show on News Radio 700 WL, WLW, Bob Huggins, this is an ESPN article, by the way. Bob Huggins was asked about his former in-city rivalry with Xavier uh, during his time as the Cincinnati coach from 1989 to 2005. Uh, Any school that can throw rubber penises on the floor and then say they didn't do it, my God, they can get away with everything, Huggins said in the interview. Cunningham then responded and said, I think that was transgender night, wasn't it? Huggins then said, what it was, was all those F-slurs. Yeah, see? See? I did it. Uh, those Catholic F-slurs, I think. And so this is like, this is, I mean, I think this is exactly exemplifies what I'm talking about. This is a hateful use of that word. Did you hear the radio interview? Did you hear the audio? I did not. I would encourage anybody Let's who... Let's right now. No, no. <laughs> anybody who whether you're just finding out about this now or if you've heard about this story already, go listen to the audio from this radio program because these two guys that are interviewing uh, Huggins, are they're very chummy with him, right? And it becomes almost like they're three guys just sitting at the bar shooting the shit. Sure. And they're aligned with him. When he drops drops this word twice, (laughs) twice, they are on his side. One of them even like, 
yucks it up and says something along the lines of like, he's the best, isn't he? Referring to Huggins. Gotcha. So the so then in the audio, because I have not listened to it yet. Yeah. But my read of this is that when they said, I think it was transgender night, wasn't it? That sounds like a that's not said in like a historical record. No, sense. no, they're definitely like, oh, I think they're, it was they're, ma- they're making a joke, right? What they consider to be a joke, and uh, you know, in this part of the country, I mean, this is it, it's interesting because Huggins is, you know, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in college basketball. Sure. He's he's a legend when it comes to college basketball. He's one of the winningest coaches um, in college basketball history, and in West Virginia. This sort of thing is probably not as big of a deal as it would be in a lot of parts of the country. Not sure. just here. I mean, anyone, if you're listening to this this podcast outside of the Seattle area, this might not even be a big deal to you because I, I know sure. in other parts of the country it's not as big a deal. Um, but especially in a place like West Virginia or even in Cincinnati where this interview was technically being conducted. Um, so, he, he, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think he might get away with – being able to keep his job out of this, but it's it's hateful language, man. And and you this, know, to if me, he's this, this offense is so obviously worse than either of the two things we were oh, talking for about. Sure. For a sure, guy, a guy that like like he, I understand there's like this thing about saying it in a rap song, but t- t- the minimum requirement to like listen to and know the lyrics of a rap song to be able to to rap along with a song is some appreciation for that artist. Who is in this case? I don't even. I don't even know who the artist was, but presuming they were using that word in a song, a black artist, and that that doesn't give you free reign to use any language you want. I'm not saying that, but this is not coming from a place of appreciation. Oh, and and you know if if Bob Huggins is saying things like this on a radio program, now granted, I mean just based on the tone of the conversation, this dude might have forgot he was even on the radio sure. in the middle of all of this. And he's an older guy with some health issues, yeah. so it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. But if he's saying these things on a radio program, he's certainly saying them to the kids he coaches, right? Yeah. And you can't be saying that to the kids you coach. You know, sure. you, you just can't. I, I know, I think this particular word, as opposed to the word we were just talking about, this word is so different because even if you go watch movies from – a decade ago, this word is still being used in the context of jokes. Sure, all over the place. I mean, not. I mean, this year probably. Maybe not movies because it's Hollywood, but like there's comedy specials and stuff. And I, and I don't even, by the way, like I think there's a version of using this word on stage, even as a straight guy, that's not like to me as a comic. I'll listen to and laugh and enjoy and find it acceptable. With the, I'll acknowledge for the sake of the throat clearing necessary for this that i'm not the person who's going to be offended by it but i think that i heard i heard a very compelling because i i grew up in a time like you know in the northwest my whole life you too it was never okay to use the n-word but there was a time in my life where it was pretty acceptable to use gay slurs right oh uh, yeah i mean i i think anybody our age even people younger than us would be lying if they said they hadn't used a lot of those derogatory I can't terms. believe you would do that, Alex. This was a trap. <laughs> uh, no, so so the um, but I, I heard like one of the most compelling things I ever heard about that was from gay people saying like that's like the N word for us, and I took that to heart and was like, okay, well at that time, like 
not to say like I like I said, I still think there's humor in saying something just grotesquely inappropriate, but I I took that to heart. And then I did hear a comedian, I think it was Godfrey, the comedian Godfrey, who's mm-hmm. like a fucking tremendous comedian, who said, I don't think people should be using that F slur, but to call it like the N word is completely inaccurate. And I'm paraphrasing or or butchering what he said, but it's like I can't pass for white. If you're a gay man, you could pass yeah. for straight. So like to me that that opened my eyes. I'm always trying to feel like hear new perspectives. Either way, this that's not to say that the word is any better. It's just I don't know if it's the same, but in this case it was very obviously used in a tremendously hateful way, in a way that as a country, I I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I found a lot of the stuff, this like there's a, a pretty common narrative going on right now that like we're facing like there's Nazis everywhere is like a thing that you know yeah. And I I'm I'm pretty skeptical of that to be honest with you, but these like last couple weeks, this time since the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light ad came out, and people who I've been like maybe I don't agree with them politically, but I'm like this is an independent thinker who's like definitely not hateful, and people who think they're hateful who are wrong who have been on the wrong side of this have been like they better fucking apologize blah 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 blah. this like very hateful shit is like something that i just like i mean maybe i'm just a dumb ignorant no but like i fucking haven't seen that in my life yeah and even that issue and i'm like this is in in the wake of that to me this feels so much worse than what either of those other guys were doing well you know i think a lot of people are just, they are very resistant to change, right? And sure. like we were just saying, I mean, we grew up where... In an Indiana town. <laughs> All right, I'm fucking, why am I ruining this? I'm having a serious moment. No, we grew up being able to say words like this that were derogatory towards certain groups of people, man. Like yeah. we, we were, that was okay. It's on, it's on, you can go watch a show like The Office or Friends and they still have those types of words in there. They're censored out now. Yeah. But at the time, 20 years ago, it was still OK. And the people that still defend language like this, look, if someone says that no one has to approach you personally and say, like, this offends me, please stop saying it. If we as a society kind of determine that something is offensive to a certain group of people and we as a society decide, like, hey, maybe it's not OK to say that shit anymore, then don't fucking say it. Yeah. Like, just don't fucking say it. But the people that want to continue using that language, they're lazy i mean and they don't want to change and that's that's probably the main theme here is like hey i say this word because occasionally i'll tell a joke that includes it and that's the only time i can get people to laugh at something i say yeah otherwise i'm just the same useless piece of shit as everybody else yeah i get i guess where i get defensive and i think that i think it's i should be very clear which is this is a specific use case is i think that Sometimes what happens is we start to lump this into like like Quentin Tarantino wrote Django Unchained, right? You've seen this movie, I assume? I have seen the movie. Okay, did I turn you up or me up? Good movie. Uh, Django Unchained's phenomenal. Quentin Tarantino wrote a lot of fucking N-words into that script, right? Yeah. So is so I guess like that's kind of the way that I view comedy that uses that stuff. But again, because just because comedy is allowed doesn't mean you should even be able to go repeat the comedian's joke at your office. It's a different situation yeah. when you're a fucking professor, a student, a, a co-worker, when it's a performance art piece, which is the lamest way to describe comedy, but that is what it is. Yeah. 
it's but different. I, I would agree with you that it is performance art. And I would agree that's why like a movie like Django Unchained can be made and accepted because it's a period piece. He's trying to reflect what times look like in that period, right? Yeah. Even for how crude it might be. Um, and the same thing with comedy. This is why I defend like comedians, man. Like not just you. We need you. We <laughs> but, need you. But there are a lot of people, you know, we've seen it happen with Chappelle recently. And look, I mean, I'm not here to defend Chappelle, but the comedy, his art as a whole is worth defending. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be OK with how art is perpetuated mm-hmm. and that's not to say that the guy in his backyard telling jokes to his his idiot friends is an artist because he's not sure so he doesn't have the right to yeah. go do that yeah and it's it's unfortunate like you'll see george carlin who i found i i'll admit this is like a tough thing to admit a lot of people will bring up comedy and they're like oh carl you know Car- the greats carlin Pryor, fucking what rock murphy and i'm like like, I don't know. I think Richard Pryor was phenomenal. I think Eddie Murphy, Raw and Delirious were like two of the first comedy specials I ever watched. I They have they both start with just tremendously homophobic bits. Yeah. Um, but they're they, I fucking laughed so hard at them. Uh, Chris Rock, early Dave Chappelle, like Louis C.K., these guys who say very offensive stuff. For me, Carlin never did it. But one thing that's unfortunate about Carlin, whether you like him or not, is that he's he was prophetic in a way and wise in a way that has made his comedy relevant generation after generation and as the world changes people are like people on both sides conservatives and liberals hate, uh, by the way on either side hateful people use his comedy as an example of why they are right and the other side is wrong yeah and no, that stinks right. cuz by the way probably the first thing george carlin cared about was getting a laugh Yeah. No, I mean, he was an artist in his own way. But, you know, art can be interpreted anyway. It's like it's like with a a painting. You know, you can one person can look at that and see something completely different than a different person. I mean, that's that's the beauty of art in a way and also can be the curse, you know, because people can interpret it however they want to. It's really rare that people look at a painting and they're like, I don't think trans people should use the bathroom that they want to use though. You know what I mean? No, I know, I know, I know. I mean, it it becomes much more specific with comedy. It's so, it's such a more articulate version of art, obviously. Where like, I think art, like, uh, like painting or even plays or whatever, especially like, like what, if you just read the crucible, you'd think like, wow, this is like a, like an old, like, like classic literature like Shakespearean era play or whatever that's from fucking McCarthyism you know like it's a it's a it's an allegory for McCarthyism and it's not even really that like there's not really a big gap it's it's very obviously an allegory for McCarthyism when you find out when it was written and stuff and that's the shit where like comedy is like it's much more it's much more honest and in your face there's a lot less when you're watching a comedian, there's a lot less interpretation required. Yeah. I mean, I think it, again, it just gets back to people being so resistant to change. Like a good example in comedy is Adam Sandler, right? Adam Sandler in the nineties was, sure. he was everything, man. He was the funniest guy on the planet. The problem is 15, 20 years later, he's doing the exact same type of comedy and it's not funny anymore. It doesn't resonate. Did you watch because- his 
<laughs> stand-up special. I didn't watch a stand-up special, but I watched a couple of those Netflix movies, the original ones, and they were garbage because they're the same jokes. Which ones was, are those? Like, um, what's that one? It's like a takeoff of the Magnificent Seven, but I can't remember the Ridiculous Six. I think it's called. Gotcha. And I it's just, it. it's yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. And it's th- those types. There's a couple other ones. He's got like a Halloween one, and there's a few because, others in there. Uh, so he does Chuck and Larry, which feel what you want about that, but Big Daddy, which is one of my favorite movies ever. There's a gay couple in that. And they're like, it's a very pro-gay movie. It's progressive in a lot of ways. I think as time goes by, you know, with Sandler, those jokes landed in the late 90s, early 2000s. When you get to twenty, special's kind of good. I got to say, I wanted to hate okay. it. Okay, I, I, I can see how it'd be good. I mean, he's still a comedic genius. That yeah. doesn't that doesn't change things. It's just there's certain things that um, your audience will change, and if you do not change with them, sure, it'll be hard for you to get the laugh that you're seeking. Yeah. And I think that's what's happened with Chappelle. It's like, look, man, a lot of people were with you even on some of this stuff in you know when you first started talking about it when it came to yeah. trans people. But as time has gone by and it's become the same joke over and over and over again, it's not funny anymore. Yeah, I, the one the so there's a couple jokes that he says that I find I would never tell you which ones they are on a recorded medium, but there <laughs> there's some jokes that I find fucking funny. And I have I have uh, friends who are of uh, you know in the in the community yeah. in the alphabet mafia as he calls them. I will say I get kind of tired of him saying LGBT wrong. Like that's the joke. That's that, part of the that's, joke. Yeah, that, and a lot of people do that, and it's like, look, yeah. man, we know there's a lot of letters there, but you know what they are. Yeah, you know what they are. We know what they yeah. are. The joke isn't there anymore. Yeah, uh, but he, uh, I, I have friends in that community who have been like, yeah, it was a fucking amazing special, and I'm like, oh, great, because I thought so too. I understand. I also understand why some people would be offended. Um. The other thing that I wonder is the one I, th- I think it was maybe the most recent one is that Sticks and Stones. What's the most recent Chappelle? I, I think maybe Sticks and Stones. I don't remember. Yeah, the one it, where that's he talks definitely about one of the recent ones. Yeah, gotcha. So he, there's one where he ends with a long story about a friend of his that was a trans woman comic who um, committed suicide, and it's like by the way the story is like strange because it's like. It goes from she was happy and resilient to she killed herself. And there's no like there's there's just like nothing in between. And it's like basically the the allegation that he's making is that the bullies online made her kill herself. And not, not to say that that's not even true, but it's like, I don't know, just to me, it feels like a uh, kind of flattening of suicide as a topic, which we don't need to talk about it overall. But what I what is unfortunate is I wish that person was there to give give her side of the story to be like this is like yes I fully support him or no I don't because I think it's possible that he's taking some liberties though I find the story very heartwarming honestly I found it beautiful I like it's I've never been watching a comedy special and like thought like felt like emotionally moved to the point yeah. of like almost crying except for that story but I, I will say, like, I try to always be a skeptic. And I'm like, I mean, you kind of get to tell this person's story for them now because they they committed suicide. Yeah, I think with stories like that that have a personal aspect to them, I totally get what you're saying. You know, like, let's say that person was still alive and they were there and 
they fully supported the way he told it. You yeah. know, he told or it perfectly. It's, it's also possible they supported him at the time and could change their mind now as they became a more evolved human being. Also. I think I think that's absolutely true. And I think there's a, an aspect of, again, when you have a platform that speaks to a lot of people, there's more responsibility that comes with that than you might understand, right? Like you... You might not like you might be telling this person's individual story perfectly, but the way that people interpret it again, because art can be interpreted any type of way, it might come off very poorly. And I think that's where you have a responsibility, not just as a comic, not just as an artist, but as just as human beings to represent people in the way they want to be represented. You know, and again, this it just gets back to there's so many people that are it's like. Okay, if you we've all worked with people, I think maybe in the last few years, that just like to swear for swearing's sake, right? Yeah. Like it used to be you would never ever fathom cussing at work, right? Like sure. that just was not a thing you would do. But now people cuss at work all the time. You know, you cuss to your boss, no one cares yeah. anymore. It's just like I also so- wear basketball shorts. I mean now, <laughs> now I'm fucking unemployed. I really wear basketball shorts now. But I was Look wearing where basketball- that got you. Yeah, I know. Fuck. <laughs> if, I would, if I was wearing a suit on Zoom every day, maybe I'd still be employed. But I've definitely worked with the people that are like, they come in and they're like, I'm just going to swear for swearing's sake. And it's like, it just, we all agree you can swear at work now. Like, that's a cool thing that you can do. Like, don't, don't stress about saying fuck. No one cares. Right. But the people that just like overdo it, you still have like kind of a bad feeling towards them. Right. Like it's too much. And it's, it's almost one of those things where it's like when we kind of decide that certain parts of our language can be eradicated. Like when you and I were growing up, we didn't hear the N word, but I guarantee you there were people out there that thought it was still okay. Cause we were only a generation removed well, not from that, that word but basically being okay. Also like I, like I said, I grew up in a diverse, uh, I grew up in a diverse city. I, when I lived in Auburn, Washington, I had a, <laughs> a neighbor who grew up, went to Enumclaw high school yeah. And I remember it was 2008 and I was uh, like, so my, my roommate at the time was like a fake country guy. He was a lot uh, of those in Auburn. Well, he grew up, yeah, he grew up in Kent, Washington. He lived in Yakima, Washington. And he put a Confederate flag on his truck. I'm not sure which part of either of those cities are fucking under the Mason Dixon line, but <laughs> he, uh, so he would like, you know, a lot of his friends were these like Enumclaw country folk, right? Yeah. Which is a Enumclaw is a bizarre place. If you if you're not from Washington State, which is most of you live in Washington State near Seattle, but if you don't, Enumclaw is best known for a guy dying from being fucked in the ass by a horse. That's enough for you. <laughs> An executive at Boeing, not oh, just some guy. guy. It's what not guy. he was like a kind of well-to-do guy. I do. I've actually recently done a decent amount of comedy in Bo in uh, in uh, Enumclaw in, in Boeing, and um, yeah, very fun to to to. dance around that topic they'll never shake that one yeah so but so this guy he's our he's dating our next door neighbor and obama gets elected 2008 i'm in college and we're just like i don't even we weren't even talking about anything like that and he goes i remember he's like leaving our house and he's like yeah now that we have an n-word president and i'm like oh fuck like i've i've to that point in my life, like rarely heard the N word used as a like a hateful slur, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is like, it's crazy." 
it, it's it's also like my friend Greg Beachler, the aforementioned Greg Beachler, the bad diabetic flyer. <laughs> He's a black man. He grew up in rural Colorado, um, parts of Michigan around Detroit, but some of them are not Detroit, right? And he's like, yeah, I used to get called that all the time. And I'm like, well, that's like, that's not the experience as a white man. That's not my experience is seeing, you know, but it's like, of course, like the, the, I don't get to see it all. And so, and also like, I mean, up here, especially, I think it's, it's really important. And, and you know, cause you travel around for comedy, but Washington state as a whole is in a bubble. Even, even the people here that are like the fake country people. Sure that put the Confederate flags up and stuff like that. They don't really understand what it's like in other parts of the oh, country. Yeah, it's of just, course. it's a completely different world out there. We're very, they want a thing that they don't actually like they, they want the, these, the reason they want America to be great again. They want it to be 1950. They want us to be driving carbureted vehicles with fucking black and white TVs. It's, there was a time when they like ruled Mm-hmm. as like in a local like local economy local government and that fucking that i mean by the way we this is we're back to drinking on the podcast i feel a little <laughs> rambly right now because i started well, drinking before the podcast but <laughs> it's fucking annoying like like you're you're i get i get wanting to be able to fucking pull up and have a white lady and fucking roller skates give you a burger but it's 2023 get over it yeah i mean this just goes back to my point uh, that like there's so many people that are resistant to change and they yeah. want these good old days that like don't exist. Like, I'm sorry you peaked in high school, but like, right. The world is going to keep moving. The world sure. is going to keep moving. Like, look, if you want to hear that language still, there are plenty of movies that you can go watch that still include yeah. that and you can laugh along with them. But like, you can't go to the store and talk like that and have people accept you. That's the yeah. thing. It's like, look, I yeah, think that's this- like you, you. You were making a great point with swearing, which is swearing has its place it still feels inappropriate in the workplace in the same way that you should feel bad. Whatever Chappelle's joke is, you should not be telling that joke at work. Like, or if you do, you should be saying it under your breath, right? It's like the the Office episode where Michael Scott is trying to recount the Chris Rock stand-up and yes. he tries to tell the joke and then the, he gets in trouble. I do want to say to defend <laughs> The Office, the show, that that episode was written by Larry Wilmore, Who and Larry Wilmore yeah. was uh, was Mr. Brown in yeah. that episode. No, I mean, there is a... Uh, I love Larry Wilmore. That's the only reason I even bring it up. Yeah, and there's still a lot of humor in those situations. Like, there is still a lot of humor in those situations if they're done right. The problem is the... The people out there who are who want to use this language, they're not doing it right. Sure, of course. They're never going to do it right. They're not, like... They're just not equipped to do that. Like, they're just not. They're not the artists. And Larry Wilmore should have taken over The Daily Show. All right. All right. We should do the home run game. I don't want to talk about any of these okay. fucking Yeah, we, we definitely went long on those. But, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but, and, they're, and, but they're tough topics, man. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the real life that we live in, man. Just yeah. trying to understand those types of topics. Well, And what I really hate the idea of is two guys making mistakes. Two not hateful guys, to our knowledge. What, what the... Their use of this word is not evidence of hate. Yeah. Or it's limited evidence of hate. Being affected negatively, severely, and a guy like Bob Huggins keeping his job while he is being outwardly hateful towards yeah. a, gr- a group you of people. You can fire Bob Huggins. Yeah, I fucking... <laughs> dude, I, I mean, genuinely, I hope... He should get fired. Absolutely. But his Where he lives... It'll, it'll help. And, and the cachet he has as a coach might keep him from getting fired. He might become fucking governor of West Virginia. <laughs> um, 
Okay. I have I have one at the ready. We got we're playing the home run game. We should make some music for the home run game, by the way. We're working on this kind of stuff. We should, because when we take this stuff live, we're gonna have to play I assume we'll have to play this game like with the audience. They'll have yes. to like throw somebody at us and uh, so we're gonna have to really play this up. But I have a guy for you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make myself go first. You go ahead, Alex. This is a former Mariner, Mariner legend, I would say. Uh, He earned the right to be a legend. When I looked him up today, I was surprised to find that he's already 50 years old because it does not feel like he's too far removed from his playing days. Um, You will, of course, remember this guy, Raul Abanez. Oh, Raul. 50 years old now. Can you believe it? Um, But Raul... Great career, I would say, and surprisingly great career because he wasn't like a huge prospect. He was a Mariner originally, came up with the Mariners, um, made it to the bigs in 96, uh, goes off to Kansas City and and gets like a regular role in Kansas City, plays pretty well there. Sure. Um, the Mariners want him back because that's what they do. They always want guys back after God, they get they good ever. somewhere else. Uh, and he does come back to Seattle. I can't believe Chris Taylor has not made it back to Seattle. Yeah, he's uh, that's actually kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's scuffled. He hasn't been good enough. Yeah, I, I well, it imagine. seems like that's a perfect time for the Mariners to pay him <laughs> now twenty five million now dollars a year. Yeah, so Raul comes back to Seattle, has a second stint here, does very well in his second stint here. Uh, unless you watched his left field defense, which wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, in 2005, I was surprised to find he played all 162 games. That does not happen very yeah. often anymore. Um. And then he actually prolongs his career beyond Seattle, goes to Philadelphia. Um, oh, man, you forget about the Abanez philadelphia years. Actually plays for the Yankees briefly. And then I, I totally forgot he came back in 2013 for a third stint with Seattle. I forgot about the third stint. I feel like I remember the third stint. A single year. It was just a single year. And then he goes on to the Angels and then actually finishes up in Kansas City again. So he bounced around a little bit. Um how total. many seasons is that in total? This is crazy. I did not realize it was this long, but 19 seasons. God damn. What? How old was he when he came up? He was 24 years old in 1996 when he made it to the bigs. So he's 43 when his career ends? 40, yeah, his age at the start of the season was 42. So 42 or 43, and that was in 2014. So, I mean, it's been nine years. It doesn't That's feel like it's been nine crazy. years, but it's been nine can years. I, can I – I want to guess – one all-star appearance. You were correct. In 2009, at age 37, yeah, with the Phillies, he finally makes it to the all-star game. Yeah. Wow. that's. But a guy that like I feel like that 162 is like pretty healthy his whole career. Terrible defender, I think, the vast majority of his career. Yeah, I don't have his defensive numbers in front of me, but I can just tell you from what I saw, Yeah, not a great outfit. It's interesting because I remember in 96, he comes up as a catcher. He came up through the minors as a catcher, and then they basically are like, we got Dan Wilson, we have no place for you as a catcher. So we're going to play you at first base. We're going to play you in the outfield. And that's I also of, feel that's like as an outfielder, I don't feel like he had an incredible throwing arm, which makes me surprised. surprised that to, I mean, I guess I'm surprised to remember no. that he – yeah, he, he basically comes up and he's like relegated to wherever they can find time for him as a DH, gotcha. uh, corner outfielder, first baseman. Um, he he does finally catch a game in 1999, it looks like, according to baseball wow. reference. Uh, but it doesn't look like he spent much time there. He caught like a game or something like that. If he was a career catcher, if he put up his career as a catcher, he's a oh, Hall he'd of Famer. Be, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer, yeah. If he yeah. put up these offensive numbers – over 19 years as a catcher, absolutely, he would be a Hall of Famer. 
I would have to imagine his defense as an outfielder limited his career war. Oh, it's got to be low. Yeah. It's got to be low. So my guess, I'm, I'm going Raul Abanez in a healthy year is like a 15 to 20 home run guy. I'm, I'm, using the, I'm walking through the Alex process. It's a good process. 15 to 20 home run guy. My suspicion is that 14 of those years he was – a full-time player, probably platoon and like sub guy, pinch hitter the last couple years. So I'll say through those first 14 years, I'm doing the math in my head. But even that puts us at like, a cr- and probably like some some partial years at the beginning. Ah oh, man, I, f- I feel like those first couple years put us around two. I'm going uh, 245. Pretty close. Okay. Uh, at 305. You're off uh, by okay. 60, but it's a big number. That's um, a pretty good number. That's better than I expected. I would say that using my process helped you. <laughs> yes. I Yeah. Well, yeah, it's tough because you just, I if you. Here's the thing about Raul. His first one, two, three, four, five, five seasons, six seasons, even his first in KC, like the most games he played was 104 games. So you were on the right track, but he didn't play as many full seasons as you estimated. I bet he and wasn't then, not healthy for most of them, though. I bet he was, like, platooning. Um, yeah, he was a platoon guy for the first few years. You say platoon weird. Yeah, sorry. Okay. He was a platoon guy the first few did years. We, did we address this we last did. week? We okay. did. Not right. a few weeks back. Platoon. And then towards the end, he wasn't playing a ton. But um, in the middle there, yeah, he played a lot. The most home runs he ever hit in a season, uh, 34 in that All-Star season of 2009. In 2006 with the Mariners, he had 33. So he had some big... Is 2009 a Phillies... Is that the one of the Phillies World Series years? It might be. Because yeah. that was like the Shane Victorino, Pat I think it, Burrell, I, think it, I think it probably was. Probably yeah. Doug Glanville maybe on one of those teams. Um, 2009, they lose the World Series gotcha. to the Yankees. Okay. Yeah. But no, that was a pretty good guess. You were off by 60, but it was a big number. Yeah. Okay. For you... I have a guy who was never a Mariner, though okay. he feels like spiritually he should have been a Mariner at some Every point. Every guy you pick is not a Mariner, you say that. Yeah. But, but then but I, I agree with you. But so. yeah, so uh, Marquise Grissom. Oh, yeah, an expo. Yeah, so yeah. and we've picked a lot of expos. I don't know why you and I, I feel like love we both expo. have yeah, an we've, obsession with the expos. Yeah. You've gotten Cliff Floyd. You're just like going down the, the 90s expos roster. I loved, if there was a team that could be my second team, although my second team is the Chicago Cubs, but... If I could have another second team, I've always had a soft spot. I, I won a lot of money on the Washington Nationals a couple of years ago, by the way. Um, <laughs> like a thousand bucks on the Washington Nationals. Well, what National. did you bet on? Just oh. futures to win the World Series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So 17 years plays for the Montreal Expos, the Atlanta Braves, the Cleveland, uh, we'll call them the Guardians because we've talked about <laughs> enough slurs in this, the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee beer makers. We don't want to talk about too many slurs. When, when was his last year? When did he finish? 2005 with yeah. the San Francisco Giants. Towards uh, the end, I don't remember him being a big factor. I do want to say, so my wife and I watched the FX series Dave, which yeah. follows Lil Dicky. Lil Dicky, yeah. And he referenced in a recent episode, we haven't watched the most recent one, or maybe the last two, but in, in a recent episode, yeah. There was multiple references to the song White Dude, which is a f- very funny song. He's a very funny and talented rapper. 
In the video for White Dude, he's wearing a Deion Sanders Atlanta Braves jersey. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty fucking cool, yeah. which I have a, a new appreciation for after you explaining how little time he spent in Atlanta. Was, was that, that me who explained that? Yeah, it was like one, like a half a season, right? Uh, or am I thinking of a no, different? Maybe somebody else. I don't remember explaining this to Oh, no, you. we did. We. I mean, I don't know. I forget a lot what I say. I say things and then immediately forget them. But no, he yeah, Dion was in New York as a Yankee, and then yeah, he wasn't he wasn't in. Atlanta oh no, it wasn't Dion Sanders. It was Kenny Lofton, I believe. Oh, we, Kenny Lofton. Yeah. yeah, he was there for one season, like '97. Yeah, t- uh, so three Dion, years in Atlanta. My bad. What he played for the Dion Falcons, had a too. weird. He had a very uh, interesting man. Oh, Dion, Dion, Dion. Um, okay, Marquise Chris. I lo- I've lost all respect for Dion Sanders. I take it all back. And Lil Dicky, <laughs> fuck them both. I'm out. Uh, it was Kenny Lofton. Marquise Grissom, uh, somewhere at home I have his rookie card from 1990. A guy who's like, I, I, I'm going to see if I can pull it up while we're on here, but like an uber prospect. Like The Expos, I distinctly remember, they, I, they had a lot of good players with rookie cards in 1990. They had Larry Walker, they had Marquise Grissom, and they had Delino DeShields. All three yeah. of those guys were going to be like, the future of the Expos. And then, of course, much like the Mariners in 94, the Expos were really fucking good. Yep. And then the strike happens. The Mariners, it could have been a Mariners Expos World Series. Would have been amazing. Just like Bizarro World. And instead, the strike happens and ruins all hope of that. Um, but no, they were a fun team in the early 90s. And Marquise Grissom was certainly a part of that. Um, God, he plays until 2005. And that is. 14, 15, 16, 16. It was 17 seasons. Okay, 17 seasons. Yeah, because he probably he made his, he made he his came up in debut 89. in 89. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. But he was probably a part time player for like four of those, maybe. So like 13 full seasons. And he's probably, he's not a big home run hitter. He's probably like 15 ish, maybe, maybe 20. Um, I'm going to say 195. Pretty good. 227. Okay. I should have gone higher. I was thinking in, my initial estimate was like 220, but take it down from there. So and, uh, career high, 23 home runs, 1996 Atlanta Braves, uh, 13th in the MVP voting. Yeah. Which actually he uh, he ranks in MVP voting in four seasons, two-time All-Star, uh, seventh in Rookie of the Year voting, won four gold gloves. I'm surprised you won four gold gloves. I didn't know it. That's the thing about, man, that's the thing about 90s baseball and a team like the Expos. No one ever saw them. Mm-hmm. You never saw the Expos play. I feel like in those times, too, it was just like, oh, that guy's really fast. He must be a great center fielder. Not to yeah. say that Marquise Grissom <laughs> was or wasn't, but do you remember the dude that played for the Mariners? I think his name was James Jones. Oh, from a few years back, yeah. yeah. Who, who became a pitcher. Well, he was a pitcher. Yeah. He was a pitcher in college. Yeah. He played for the Long Island University, I believe. Let's, let's yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Long Island University. He uh, lefty, speedy. Yeah, and he was like incredibly fast. And yeah, I think this is him. So he plays. Yeah, two he, seasons with the Mariners. Two seasons with the Mariners. I don't think did he ever pitch in a game or did he? Just no, he pitch in the basically minors? he he pitched in the minors. But he, he was a guy who was like so fast, like maybe the fastest player in baseball when he was playing. Yeah. Horrific defender. Bad routes to balls. Bad reactions. Yeah. <laughs> Just like every defensive metric hated him. But I bet you in a different time, 
in baseball, he'd be considered an elite defender because he was like, you'd see him make plays where you're like, he has no business getting to that ball. Yeah, and then I mean, you'd see him miss balls where you're like, how did he not get to that fucking until ball? Moneyball came around? Yeah. You just assumed fast guys were good defenders. Well, you even, had no, you had no point of reference. I mean, no one ever could watch games on TV the way that they can now, you know, yeah. it was all regional. So you would maybe see your home team and whoever they were playing. And that's about it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think that's it. We've, by the way, I, I thought this was going to be the shortest episode we've done. It's still going to be an hour forty-five. I think of course. So we fucked up, Alex. Yeah, we did. We All went right. real long on some topics. Though. Yes, we did. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We got to record an intro, but we'll talk to you later. Uh-huh.